back to the KGO podcast. I'm Emily Mendoza. Joining me is Jen Olson and Mary Kate Zabrowski. So a question for you, Jen, as the CEO of KGO, how do you set boundaries in the workplace? How do you maintain work-life balance? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, You know, I think that every day, you have certain established norms that you align to, right? You know, an example of that would be kids go to school at the same time every day. So you know that you're getting all these bodies up and breakfast and beds made and all of that stuff. And you don't have wiggle room on that, right? It's like, it's just, you got to get through it. But things are constantly coming at you every day. Things change every day. Things happen. And so... Really, um, you have to have structure built into a day, but you have to be reasonably minded that the potential for it to get rearranged, substituted, and sometimes obliterated is going to happen. And that doesn't mean you didn't succeed that day. And so I subscribe to a practice that is people over projects. That's first. People matter. All of our deadlines, all of our deliverables, all of our responsibilities matter a lot. Mm -hmm. But they don't trump people, right? So if somebody really has a need and they're, they're, they're suffering or they've got a crisis, you need to be there. You need to step up and be there for people. The other thing is um, you can't let the to-do list drive, drive the day right? You have to make time for your priorities, right? And so it's more about priorities than it is the to-do list. Mm -hmm. I need to try to learn something new every day. (laughs) I need to connect with our employees every day. I need to stay in touch with with our network every day and, and our relationships. And then after that, it's really then just getting stuff done. I would you just, there's a lot to get done every day and you just, you have to be able to shut out the noise and, and crank down. Um, the other thing is I'm flexible about when and where it happens. I, I'm a, I'm a miser of, of opportune moments. You know, if a moment hits and I've got five minutes, even if it's standing while I'm waiting for a cup of coffee to brew, you can sit and just kind of space out for that moment and take a breath because that's what you need and that's, you know, important as well. Or that's a moment where crank out a, a voice email and, and get it sent out and, and get it done. So just really kind of trying to harvest every moment that exists. How about you? Any tactics that you use to manage work-life balance, Mary-Kate? What I will say I, try, I do try to do is I try to be present. So I try to be present when I'm at work, and then I try to be present when I'm with my family. And I shut the door most of the time when I go pick up my daughter from school. And it's, it's fine to like look at an email once in a while that doesn't require real thought and respond quickly. But I mean, I really do shut the door and I set those boundaries and I have the luxury and I'm, you know, I'm not Jen, but I have the luxury to just shut the door and focus on family. But then when I'm at work, I try to apply the same thing. Um, I just, I'm not a mom, right? I'm just <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm the same human, but it's not. I just try to stay focused on what I'm doing in the moment. Uh, and I would, I would uh, add one thing to that. You made me think of it. Is um, I actually don't believe in multitasking. I don't subscribe to that. I actually can't. 
<laughs> maybe I used to be able to, but my brain just doesn't stretch that far anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just have found that when I focus on one thing fully and get it done, I'm faster. Now I really do try to just focus down on whatever it is that mm-hmm. thing is I'm committed to in that moment. And that's the thing that's happening, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, being with your kids or your family mm-hmm. or, you know, speaking to somebody or doing a task or just get that one thing. Yeah, absolutely. One thing done. You're going to draw the line mm-hmm. to either focus on this or focus on mm-hmm. that and divide your time. Right. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to live with that. Mm-hmm. And if you're drained and totally out of energy, one, it's not healthy for you, Mm-mm. but you're no good anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be the, that, that best self showing up in any capacity. Right. And so the boundary is necessary. Mm-hmm. And, and that needs to be top of mind and you need to be the one to make it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another opportunity for a conversation that if you don't know how to do it or you think you're doing it, but you're not <laughs> benefiting mm-hmm. from that like decision, it. Yeah. it doesn't yeah. feel like it, you're just drained, mm-hmm. reach out, like have a conversation with someone, you know, a friend or a family member, a community member, someone that you work with right. and get ideas, get suggestions, talk about it. Right. It's, it's not a sign of weakness to need help. And we shouldn't be asking for permission or for forgiveness when we do set boundaries. I think previously I used to maybe even think of it as a, as a sign of weakness. If I wasn't yeah. able to do all the things I had decided I wanted to get done by myself. And so it's really important to ask. And I think that's uncomfortable for a lot of people, actually, to ask for help. Like, we don't know how or thinking how it needs to go, but being open to what the outcome will be. Ask for the help and then brainstorm together. Like, how could it work? Because this is where I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And I would say if you ask and do not receive help in the workplace, then something's off. If an organization doesn't prioritize employee well-being, that is not okay. And I think that a lot of people put up with that type of culture because they're used to it, because it's how it's always been, because they think they don't deserve better. But the reality is that's not true. Um, And I think there's changes that organizations can make to move the needle in those areas. But if it's never voiced or people don't share their opinion, there may never be a reason to make improvements. So, What are some examples of improvements that uh, an organization can make that would help to prioritize employee well-being? If there's opportunity to allow people, like Jen said, to choose where and when to get your job done, that is a huge game game changer, like I said before, and allows you to create your own boundaries, set your own schedule that works for you, live your life in a comfortable, supportive, thriving way, which is how I feel about flexible work. And you've got to be able to have resources inside the company that you can go to and have the conversation with. I mean, do you have people within the organization? Just making sure that you have um, people present and available to have these types of conversations to hear what employees are struggling with, Mm -hmm. what they're facing, what Mm -hmm. they're dealing with. Sometimes it is circumstantial and situational. It could be short term. But in, in, in many cases, it's an ongoing, you know, 
struggle or issue that that they have to reconcile. And so make sure that they have people to speak with about it, but then more importantly, that those people are also empowered to make accommodations, right? Sure. For the person's needs and schedule, workflows, the way that they partner within their teams, um, and figure out how do you make it work. Um, I believe every problem has a solution. It's just waiting to be discovered, right? So if you don't ap- approach it and you don't try, you know, you're, you're never going to find that solution, right? But you got to find it together. And um, then that way it's, it has staying power. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to define what well-being is about. Talk a little bit, Mary-Kate, about some of the, the different types and things that are in the bucket, if you will, under that umbrella of well-being. To me, well-being is when people are able to be themselves and are able to thrive in a way that is good for them, feels comfortable for them, and um, allows them to grow and really just have a internal satisfaction um, about themselves and then the interactions around that they have and the relationships they have with others. So I don't think it looks just like fitness or looks just like mental health or looks just like um, having a creative outlet to express all of those things are important and I think they're all a part of well-being but I think everyone has to define what makes them well inside and giving people the opportunity and the autonomy to define that and then have that be supported I think is really where you'll find employee well-being right and so all of these different, um, so you could approach it externally from a programmatic perspective, sure. like we're going to reimburse gym memberships or we have a gym here, right? That's one aspect of well-being. And I don't think anyone would argue that it isn't. Um, we have health care benefits. We, um, we, you know, you can take sick days if you need to. You know, there's, there's all the external programmatic approaches to well-being, right? But, um, but it's multidimensional, right? And it's, and it's individual and different for every person. But I think the one thing where it begins to come into focus and, and becomes common is uh, what it yields and what you would witness. I think what you would witness and what you see oftentimes when people are spending most of the time in a state of well-being, because you're, you're never there all the time, really, mm-hmm. um, is you see people contribute. Because I believe that people's natural stance when they are mostly in the state of well-being is that they share and give. Mm-hmm. And so you would see someone actively sharing their strengths, talents, gifts, um, helping others even in that capacity, whether it be clients or fellow teammates. That's what you would see in an output perspective. Right. right. They're engaged attitudes are pretty good um there's not a ton of resistance bogging them down um you wouldn't hear or see or witness a ton of uh negativity um they may even be neutral for that matter so 
But in general, you'd see people kind of in a flow, Mm -hmm. you know, in in an output-oriented flow. Mm -hmm. I often think about sports when I think about business, honestly. You know, um, it's a team. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a team that's focused on an end goal that you all want to get to, then everyone's going to pull in opposite directions. The likelihood that you're going to get there is low, especially if you have too many people just kind of spinning in their own independent worlds, thinking more about themselves and what they want and what they need um, versus how do we get there? You know, so when I see engaged employees, uh, what I see or, or witness is number one, they have a really healthy respect for their teammates. And what I mean by that is when they look at fellow teammate, they know and they recognize that teammate's strengths and talents. And not only are they not threatened by them, they're grateful that the teammate has them because they recognize that those very strengths and skills and attributes and experiences help advance the team forward. And so they're grateful to have them. And even the sports that you participate in by yourself, you still have coaches and a team around you, right? Always. Yeah. Even if you think about the highest, most highest level, most elite athletes Mm -hmm. on the planet, they're coached. Entourages. (laughs) They have playbooks. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, they have to go to practice. Right. They work at it every day. They train. You know, Mm -hmm. no one's got it figured out. Mm -hmm. They're corrected. They're given feedback. They have to make alterations. They have to accommodate certain things. Uh, They have to accommodate, you know, and and if it is a team environment, they have to accommodate how they do things to help bring in a team member that that, that is a critical piece to a winning strategy Mm -hmm. and sometimes put themselves behind, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, those are, you know, some of the kind of key elements to, to an engaged employee. Yeah. No, it's a good point. The other the other concept that I would use when I th- think about employee engagement or talk about employee engagement is this the idea of like nature versus nurture, right? You're going to have some people that will probably go to any organization and be engaged because that's who they are, right? That's it, it's just a part of their soul to be engaged. It it energizes them. And then you're going to have individuals that naturally don't gravitate towards that but can be nurtured, if you will, to become more engaged. And you might never be as enthusiastic as the other person, but that doesn't necessarily equate to engagement, right? In terms of how it looks on the outside, you can have someone who rarely speaks out that is just as engaged as someone who's the life of the party. Um, So I think that, you know, either way, there's opportunity for, um, progress and engagement. I think there's there's like three very simple things that managers and leaders can do to help foster engagement you know within a team or group and it's number one and you've talked about this before it's always being crystal clear about where are we going mm-hmm. where are we going and why are we doing this why does it matter make sure everyone hears the same message consistently This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is why it matters to the organization and hopefully to each of you. Number two, how are we going to do it? Mm 
what are the requirements? What are the skill sets we need, right? What is the, the experience of a, of a person and contributor that we need? And then the third thing is clearly identifying for the team or the organization what the skill sets are that each person is bringing. Sometimes we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you ever had that situation where you're like, I don't know what they see in this person. <laughs> Never. What are they doing? Never. <laughs> So I think it's important for a leader or a manager yeah. to highlight mm-hmm. each individual team member's strengths, mm-hmm. attributes, experience that is of value to how we accomplish what it is we're trying to accomplish based on where we're trying to go. Those are just three simple things you can do all the time and be thinking about. And it helps kind of everybody to sort out who's doing what, why they matter, why the other person matters, you know, in case, you, let's be honest, there are some people you're just not going to click with and that's okay. doesn't mean they're horrible or you're horrible. You're just never going to click. That's okay. But at least you understand what they do, what they bring, mm-hmm. and you can at least respect that. Mm-hmm. And that's how, when you have a leader calling out strengths of employees and of leaders and teams, you know, that is an indication that they have listened, they've paid attention. And that, you know, when we talk about engaging employees, giving them reason to trust, right? And they're showing their investment in you by calling out things you might not even know yourself. Oh, I didn't know that that was a positive thing. You know, you're bringing awareness to all of the different contributions that people might not even know. Um, And then it, it inspires them to want to keep doing it and to keep doing it better. And then that's when creativity sparks, right? So like, that's like, that's why I said like, sometimes creativity is part two, because in order for people to get there a lot, it's, you have to have that foundation, you know, and that's the trust, that's the engagement, that's the making sure that um, people are comfortable um, at the organization. Ready to renovate, relocate, reimagine your workplace? Get in touch with us today. We're ready to help. www.kgopm.com.